Hi, this is Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. Welcome to Hollis Intrigue, the Chicago Bears podcast, where Jason, on tonight's episode, we will talk about the Bears' 49-29 loss to the Cowboys here at Scenic AT&T Stadium. We will break down what Justin Fields did do and didn't do, and we'll talk about a Bears defense that came this close to giving up the most points it ever had. All that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Jason, as we sit here, let me just do a little play-by-play. Jason is at a desk, like an actual office desk, inside the press box at AT&T Stadium. We don't know what it's here for, but we know that you did just fiddle with the drawers. Is there anything in there? I'm looking for a pen, Pet. There are some things in here. There is a Las Vegas uh, mug that... Uh, Dirty. It's very used, Dirty. although probably not since about 1974. I don't know how it made it into the new building. And then there's a bunch of cords and wires and, of course, some Whataburger sauce packets. That's a good sauce to get, though. You're going to see Whataburger when you're here, when you're, you know where we are, right? Oh, we're in Dallas. Deep in the heart of Texas. You know that song? I do. That's where the stars is trying to Coyotes whale. Jason Leisure in the heart of Texas. I'm not a good singer, but uh, the bear, man, the Bears got cooked today, Pat. They got what is what is the song they play after every Cowboy touchdown? Some song by like Alabama or something. I don't know that the one. Band no, I don't know. I'm gonna look. I don't it know. Up. But anyway, vamp, please. Well, uh, the offense. This is kind of like if I had told you before the season there'd be games like this, you'd probably be pretty happy. But it comes at a very bad time for the Bears. A, a challenging thing to accept after. Stunning the Patriots on a, on a nationally televised Monday night game. Then they come into Dallas and lose 49-29. And if I had told you, Pat, coming into the season, I'm, I'd say, hey, they're going to have a game where they score 29 points and Justin Fields plays pretty well and they lose because of their defense, you'd say, yeah, I'll take that. I'd take probably 17 of those this year. It's, uh, it's only troubling in the sense that it came after that Monday night game where they looked so good. And when you when I say that their defense got cooked, it's very hard to find any good plays here. <laughs> yeah. Eddie Jackson had a really big play on an interception late in the half that was potentially a game-turning play mm-hmm. and had a big impact score-wise. And Jaquan Brisker had another sack, so I, I like what I see from him. But, man, that might be the entire list because it looked so easy. It's not just the sheer numbers when you hear about this. When you hear about Dallas averaging – eight yards per play today and converting almost all their third downs when they wanted to. It's the way it looked. And Dallas on those first four possessions, touchdowns, and there was so much space. There was just nobody in the right spot. The Bears looked a step or two off on just about everything from the jump. And other than a brief period of resistance, never really fixed it. You said this right. Anybody who expected momentum to carry over from the Bears' 33-14 win Against the Patriots, uh, was uh, reminded very quickly that that ain't the way it works. Uh, four touchdowns in the first four drives, ridiculous. It felt a lot like the Vikings game in which the Bears gave up touchdowns in the first third, or first three possessions to the Vikes. Um, when the Bears play an offense that is better than them, they just get smoked. I mean, it, we're not talking, I mean, walkover smoked. I mean, it's, and the Miami Dolphins are coming up. Like, this is going to happen again. Like, they play the Vikings again. They play the Bills. They play the Eagles. There's, there's uh, results this year, Pat, through eight games, divide up very neatly into two categories. Into Garbage uh, teams? You, against the 49ers, the defense looked good, and that's the 49ers in the rain with Trey Lance. Right. Uh, against the Texans, 
looked pretty good, looked fine, Winless, won the game. Winless Texans? Won, the, won the game on the interception, basically. And then the Giants and the Patriots, both teams that offensively have a lot to figure out, and yep. especially at that time, you remember the Giants were playing without a quarterback, without one healthy quarterback right. for some of that game when they, uh, they beat the Bears 20-12. Those games, Bears defense looks pretty good. Yep. Packers? Yep. Down a million right away. Mm-hmm. Vikings, down a million right away. Cowboys, down a million right away. And you can say whatever you want about, you know, it's a positive that they came back in those games, that they held Aaron Rodgers to only a field goal, I think it was, in the second half of that game, or that they actually took the lead against the Vikings, or that they had gotten down to uh, only a five-point deficit today against Dallas. But that's not going to happen. That's not going to be something you can rely on. No. This, this uh, down... 21-3, or in this case, down 28-7 in the second quarter, that, that is not a viable path to victory, hardly ever. Well, yeah, and you know when you talk about the Bears' run game, again, great today, by the way, 240 yards, 5.6 yards a pop. When you're down, when you're down 20 points, uh, handing the ball off for 12 yards on first and 10 is, it's a good statistical move. It's not particularly relevant. What I worry about for Justin Fields and for the offense in general is that if the defense makes this thing a chase game early in most of their remaining games, then we're, I mean, we're playing passing league stuff the rest of the way. Or we're handing off, you know, handing off and the other team like the Packers did earlier this year are thrilled that you're handing off in the third quarter when you're down yeah. two scores and we'll let you have whatever you want. And then we get false positives, whether that's the run game looks better than it is. You know, you know, Justin Fields may look better than he is. The Bears need to stay close to play, you know, a practical style of football. And when you give up four touchdowns on the first four possessions, that just doesn't happen. Uh, the Bears kept at it with the run game. Uh, Fields only threw 23 passes today. Uh, had a passer rating of 120, but we'll talk about him in a minute. But the defense just never looked particularly competitive. Tony Pollard, 14 carries, 131 yards. And the, the backbreaker, there's really two backbreaker, yeah. backbreaking plays here for the Bears, Pat. Uh, one coming after they cut it to they they are they're cut it to 28-23. And then Dallas goes ahead 35-23. It's still in reach in the third quarter. And that's when you have the David Montgomery fumble that Micah Parsons picks up, and no one seems to realize that he's still a live ball carrier. Justin Fields kind of Floats over him. If, if he had been so, if Justin Fields had been so lucky that his toenail had grazed Micah Parsons' back, it would have counted as down. Right. But nobody touched him. He gets up. There's players kind of just standing around, jogging as Micah Parsons runs back, uh, scores a touchdown. At that point, it's a it's a 19 point lead for Dallas. The Bears push back again. Touchdown pass to Cole Komet gets it down to. Now th- I'm not saying you got a great chance here, mm-hmm. but down 13 with 14 minutes left, like you're going to get a couple opportunity. You're going to get a couple possessions down the stretch. Then they give up this 54-yard run to Pollard, and on this one, this is an example, Pet, of it's hard for. I don't know if anyone can feel like they had a good game today because right. this is a 54-yard touchdown run that absolutely buries the Bears. Eddie Jackson is in the backfield. Right. Has a chance, maybe, if he makes a great Eddie Jackson level play, stops him for a four yard loss. Yeah. Doesn't happen. It's third they're run blitzing on it's third and one. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Third and one. So absolutely a time when the Bears need a spot. That, that's a good con a stop. That's really good context. Uh Roquan Smith has a hand on him. Nick Morrow has a hand on him, maybe to stop him for like loss of one, and then he's gone. And ja- and Jaquan Brisker is the last guy there that can make any kind of play, and he's blocked totally out of the picture. Yep. And the game is over officially at that point at 49-29. Yeah, and you would think that 
on third and one. You, you know, we all know what happens if you run goal line stuff, if you run short yardage stuff. Once you break through that initial line, there aren't a lot of guys there to tackle you. But, you know, the whole book on Pollard coming in was that he was their Khalil Herbert. He was the home run hitter who, in short yardage, you'd probably rather hand it to Zeke Elliott. And now, you know, they give the ball to... And this is a good situation for the Bears. Third and one with a guy who's not a plow horse taking the handoff, and, and they couldn't get off the field. They, they couldn't get off the field at any point, Jason. What, was it, what were their yards per carry? Cowboys' yards per carry was uh, 6.9, Patrick. Is that good? Is that good? Seven yards a pop? Is that and good? The Cowboys converted nine of their 11 third downs. Let's pivot to Justin Fields, though, because the, the defense was a, an absolute disaster. I think they're dealing with limited personnel. Now, Matt Eberflus is a defensive expert, and he should be able to turn some of these guys Did like Nick Morrow and Kendall Vildor and some yeah. of the rookies into quality players. Um, this should offend him, by the way. I, I don't know if he has the luxury of being offended. Mm-hmm. He has to kind of understand that this is, that there's going to probably be another game like this, and maybe next week there will be another game like I this. I think the Miami Dolphins will probably do the same thing. Justin Fields had an adventure of a day. <laughs> there was quite a bit of good, actually, but there was also some bad. Uh, he got bailed out on an interception. He threw an interception, and then it was negated by a roughing the passer call. He, on the opening drive, I believe, had Equinemius St. Brown, would have been a touchdown, had his man beat by a couple of steps, and Justin Fields way under threw the ball. It's incomplete. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the play with Parsons that we just mentioned, you you know, it's kind of a hard one to sit there. It's hard to make a big deal out of Justin Fields missing a tackle Mm -hmm. when I wouldn't even want him. I would tell him. uh, Run away. Yeah. To quote. uh, Stay away from everything. Right. Unless it's the Super Bowl. Um. And even then, you know, wait till the second half. It's hard to, it's hard to like, it's, it doesn't mean anything in the big yeah. picture. Are you a Monty Python fan? No. no? Okay. But go ahead. Some There's people a scene when, they're, when the Knights, uh, when they retreat, they just go, run away, run away. <laughs> and I mean, that's what I would tell every quarterback to do. We've seen Jay Cutler get hurt too many times chasing some no-name defender after an interception. In a week seven game, it doesn't really matter. Right. So yeah, I'm good with him not being involved in anything. But he was so close. <laughs> it, it, it's not a big deal. It doesn't really mean anything going forward about Justin Fields, but it was a big mistake in this game. I think it means something about the Bears because in week three, I think it was against the Texans, there was an instance of Fields throwing a pass that turned out to be a forward, a fumble that floated in the air, and nobody on the team felt obligated to fall mm. on it. And it was recovered in the Bears. I think it was the Texans game, right, Jeff? And this is the second time this has happened. When you have a head coach whose entire ethos is based on you run hard. To do this twice, I think, if you wonder, when I wondered whether he was embarrassed, he should be embarrassed by this. Well, it wasn't only Justin Fields. There were linemen standing around. Um, David Montgomery was kind of jogging at, uh, even once Micah Parsons started to go. Yeah, Micah Parsons, by the way, one of the great athletes walking walking the earth right now. Uh, But if Justin Fields puts a finger on him down Mm -hmm. there on the ground, he's at the 38 instead of scoring a touchdown. Right. Um, so a lot of a lot of wild parts of the game for Justin Fields. A very uh, eventful game for Justin Fields. Additionally, though, Pat, I mean, he's 17 of 23, 151 yards, no interceptions technically. Yep. He rushes eight times for 60 yards. That's very good. He had an interception come back on a roughing the passer penalty, and on the next play, he threw a touchdown pass to Nikhil Harry. Like, you know, he, he got bailed out, but he made the most of it. Here's, here's what I'm seeing from him the last four games that I don't think we saw in the first four games. Efficiency. Mm-hmm. There is efficient passing by him. Now, it's not enough. Like, who's winning games with 151 yards passing? 
The Bears that, last week? <laughs> that's not that's not really going to do it for yeah. the most part. But I think that they have a template here. They just need more volume of all of it. Let and me, you need to hit on these deep passes. They're chucking it deep today. Mm-hmm. Did they hit one of those? No, they didn't. Avelis Jones had a ball go right through his hands on one of the few times they've ever let him run not side to side. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, he left the, the deep one to Equinemius St. Brown woefully short. Let me give you Justin's stat line in the last six days, two games. The Bears go into their mini-buy. Big questions about whether this offense uh, can develop an identity and can be any good. Here's what, field, or what Fields did. Uh, 30, of, uh, 30 of 44, 330 passing yards, three touchdowns, a pick, and a 103.4 passer rating. What was now, the yardage? Uh, 330. For two games. Yeah. Now yeah. listen, this is Joe Burrow on a good day, but this is pretty good. It's okay. But, and, and but wait, this, go wait, ahead. Hang on. He's run 142 times for 20, or I'm sorry, 22 times for 142 yards. It's an average of six and a half yards of carry. So you've now got a pretty dynamic player. They go one and one. He's, I mean, his pass rating 103 over two games. I think that's kind of the best they can hope for right now. Like you said, you hit on a couple of these deep shots, the numbers look a lot better. But he seems to be managing the offense the way it was drawn up. Yeah, but this isn't enough. See, so now we're. But when the defense gives up 28 points in the first four possessions, of course it's not enough. Like. But this wouldn't be enough no matter what, I don't think. So I, I, 151 yards of 151 passing yards is not going to do it. It's not going to make him a franchise quarterback. He's got to start producing more. Oh, okay. So he can't just. La- this is a good start. This is a good template, but he can't just do this the rest of the year. There has to be more. There has to be a little bit more of everything. No, no, you're right. It, there does, but. I think the Patriots had given up 18... I have the numbers in front of me somewhere here. Patriots had given up 18.5 points a game. Bears hung 33. Cowboys had given up 14 points a game. Bears hung 29. It works in the you know when you have the league's best rushing offense, when you have two running backs who are doing, you know, who complement each other well, and when you have fields doing design runs, this all... I mean, they're scoring points. I mean, they're scoring enough points to win both of these games. Um, you know, is it well-rounded? No. Will it be well-rounded at the end of the year? Probably not, right? I mean, but it just needs to get closer to that point. I think Fields in the last six days has gotten them closer to an offensive identity than they were in the first five games combined. What do you think? I think that, yes, I think they've definitely settled into something that... This is who they are. That they can be. Yeah. But they have to be better at it. Of course. Especially yeah. in the passing game. He has to be better as a passer. More productive. This is efficient. This is great. A lot of guys could be efficient like this. Now, a lot of guys couldn't be efficient like this and also run like he does. Right. But you got to give us more in the production in the passing game. I, I think that's what makes him special. Jason, I had found a stat that I think he uh, he's run for 40 yards in six straight games. Do you know the list of quarterbacks who have done that in the last five years? Lamar Jackson for sure, but no, not after that. Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, that's it. That's the list. It's a unique talent they're working with. It's just not going to look like a conventional offense. And I think the big question in the second half of the season is, are the Bears comfortable enough running an unconventional offense to then tag Fields as a franchise-changing quarterback? He would have to convince them as a passer because you have to be able to bring both to the table. And you would ideally like to have him run less. Mm-hmm. 
you'd like to have the design runs, but maybe not so many of the scrambles unless it's third and 12 and you're just really needed or something like that. Right. But I'm Pat looking through his games of his career. He's only top 200 yards five times <laughs> in what? 18 starts. So 18, I mean, that's, yeah. that just isn't going to work. No. 200 plus like somewhere in the two to two fifty range regularly. Plus his running ability. That's something. But that, I think that makes more sense in this year's offense. That's a place to get. I, I'm, I'm more comfortable with him the last four weeks doing that than I am with him in Matt Nagy's offense. Doing oh, definitely. That. Yeah. This looks much more coherent. Yeah, I, I think that – I think the last two weeks, I mean, you know, we walked out of that Commanders game going kind of, what, what in the heck are they doing? You know, Fields busted out a, you know, a long scramble, but that was not evidence of schemed production. I think in the last two games they've had schemed production almost all the way through. You know, I think they stalled a little bit what in the second quarter against the Patriots, but maybe that was it. Yeah. Um, I feel as encouraged about the offense today as I have all season. Well, it's been now, a good it's month. Been, it's been yeah. a good month. You go back to the Minnesota game; that's four games ago. So right. the, when we keep talking about the last four games, we're talking about Minnesota, Washington, New England and then Dallas on Sunday. Right. And and other than the Washington game, which was terrible at and it's home. A, and it's a Thursday night game, and I think we're learning that Thursday nights are just weird. I think that there is some credence to that. Right. But if other than that, we're talking about a stretch here. We're three out of four games. There's a lot to like mm-hmm. with Fields and with the offense as a whole. And I don't know, has there ever been a point where we felt that with Justin Fields? No, no ever? of course not. I, I don't think there no, was. No, I, I think the height of my good feelings about Justin Fields was probably – at the end of the uh, Steelers game on Monday Night Football last year where they went into the bye week having just put together a great second half and, and a spectacular fourth quarter. And you sat there and went, oh, my God, if you could just carry this over. And then they had a break, and then he came back, I believe, against the Vikings. The Ravens, I think. And then you pretty much the never, Ravens, you yeah. pretty much you never, never saw, saw Fields again the rest of the season. Right, and he got, he got hurt and he got sick, and, and, and we never saw it. I, you know, he looked, I think, I think he looked lost in the first – four games of the year at times. I don't see that now. I think he... I, and I'm not saying he's great because he's got a long, long way to go, but I think he's competent in a way that he wasn't in the first couple of weeks. Competent season. is a key word there, and I like that you see his the, the, compl- the um, completions mm-hmm. that you just mentioned over the last two games. That comes out to 68%. He, this is a guy that was like around 50 Right for the first month of the season, and that's that was one of the alarming things about it to me. Was yes, the Bears are really limiting his opportunities, mm-hmm. but he is very inefficient with the opportunities they give him. Now they're giving him a, still a modest amount of passes per game, right. but the efficiency, the competency is there. Right, and the designed runs, which he had less of those today than he did on Monday, but he did say after the game that he was his legs were sore because it was a short week. And he didn't feel 100%. Not that that's an excuse, but I presume the Bears didn't have design runs for him uh, quite as often because that. I also, you know, also you just look at the game score and they're just, when you're down, you're probably not running sweep with Justin Fields for five yards. I think you and I agree on where he's at and where the offense is at now. What I'm seeing, though, in, in the long run here is that this cannot be the ceiling on this. And if no. it is, if this is the best that Justin Fields can give you, this is not game-changing quarterback play going forward. But this isn't. Does, I mean, you have to be that good to be the franchise quarterback. Sure, but but who does he have around? 
No, he's, he's very limited around him. Right. The offensive line was down to Dieter Eiselin playing at one point today. Right. Dieter Eiselin had never played on offense, I don't believe, before today and was on the practice squad mm-hmm. all season until just a few days ago. He played right guard for a couple snaps when Tevin Jenkins was out. Jenkins, we saw him limping around the locker room after the game. It didn't look good to me, but he did finish the game. Alex Leatherwood, the former first-round pick, is the only Bears player who didn't get in the game today. So, you know, even Jatiree Carter got in. So, um, you know, I don't expect to see Leatherwood jump in anytime soon. Quick all-line question for you. Uh-huh. Is Tevin Jenkins their best offensive lineman? <laughs> He's not their worst. Um, I think maybe, yeah. Yeah. Man. Why wouldn't he be? I, I give everybody some credit for that, including Tev- especially Tevin Jenkins for his, his willingness. But uh, that's a pretty good salvage. Yeah, it is. And like you said, they need to, I, I asked Darnell Mooney a question today about whether the offense felt more complete. Or, and he said, complete? No, no, God, no. He said, more complete? And he said, progress. We're getting there. And, and I think that's a good way to look at it. They're still woefully imbalanced. They're one of, what, the two or three teams in the NFL that really lean on the run the way, you know, <laughs> in such an extreme There's, way. You know, about 60% of their offense, uh, 65% of their offense that it came from running. But do we give – is that a credit to them at some, on some level? It's a credit to the coaching staff for figuring out something that works for today, mm-hmm. but this is not a team that's playing for today in my mind. Like, this is Matt Eberflus – and Ryan Poles and Luke Getze taking over, Alan Williams taking over at a time when they know this is a long-range project. Yep. And I'm not sure what just what they were doing in the first quarter of the season, for example, Pat, of just only running. Right. I'm not sure what that would accomplish going forward. No, no. I think we've now reached the point where I think they're putting in – Matt Eberflew said this after the game. They have done things offensively to put their players in position to succeed in a way that they didn't in the first four games. And I think that that is defined as progress. Um, you know, they are moving the pocket with Fields still. They are calling design runs for him, although maybe not as many today. They are averaging a really the best clip in the league, handing the ball off. There is there is growth here. I just wonder how much of it you can project into. This is the guy I want playing quarterback for the next for the next five years. I, I just don't know. You're gonna have to see a lot over the next nine games. You have against much better teams. You're basically at the halfway point here. Yeah, you're gonna see the Eagles. You're gonna see the Bills. You're gonna see some very good teams coming up uh, in November and December. Uh, a couple of things, real quick, before we get going. Um, David Montgomery on the you mentioned the uh, the fumble return by mm-hmm. Parsons. Montgomery just dropped the ball like it wasn't nobody hit him. He just dropped it. Uh, he was outplayed today by Khalil Herbert, and I think you could argue that Herbert is trending up and Montgomery is, tr- is trending down. There was a point where both of them had 14 carries and Herbert had double the yards. Uh, as it ends up, Herbert's 16 carries for 99 yards, Montgomery 15 for 53. Is there a passing of the torch that we're seeing here? And if there is, Jason, trade deadline's Tuesday. Somebody want to give you a six-rounder for David Montgomery? What do you say? I say no. Okay. I think you need both of these guys. Yeah, I Dave, think this is fair. Uh, I don't think Khalil Herbert is as well-rounded as David Montgomery. Ask anybody, mm-hmm. and they will tell you that David Montgomery is far and away the best pass-blocking yep. running back. Mm-hmm. And with this offensive line, that matters a lot. He's also way more proven than Herbert as a wide receiver. Um, I don't think you're going to get very much for David Montgomery if you want to keep him in the offseason as a free agent, I don't think it's going to cost you that much. I think that I would – I think these guys together are essential. Yeah, and they seem to be getting along okay. I wrote about this 
for the Saturday paper, but the fact that they are able to coexist somewhat peacefully from all we can tell is is good because David Montgomery's in a walk year. Every time he doesn't get the ball, in theory, it's costing him money. And um, for him to, you know, if he is frustrated by that, he seems to be channeling it the right way. You know what was one thing I liked about Dallas's offense that I think is another thing that you're not seeing from the Bears and – when we talk about Justin Fields needs to show you that he's a franchise quarterback, mm-hmm. Dallas's tight ends, they had like three of them that were making plays today. <laughs> I mean, one it, of them calf roped the guy. At one point, uh, Dak Prescott was going back and forth between Schultz and Hendershot, I think. Right. For four plays, just only tight ends. And you imagine what that must be like. Because Cole, Cole Komet had his first touchdown in like... December 6, 2020. Thank you. That was the last one. <laughs> I mean, still, it's just two catches for 11 yards, and I, I don't have offhand what he has for the season, but I know it's not much. Dalton Schultz had six catches for 74 yards. Uh, that's more than any Bears player had, and that's uh, more than everybody but C.D. Lamb had uh, on the Cowboys' side. Uh, there was a throw he made kind of deep down this, um, I think it was kind of a deep cross to him on third down where, where Prescott just put the ball between the linebacker and the safety, and, and Schultz brought it down in a way that was just beautiful to see. Um, can we talk about the uh, hog tying uh, Jay Ferguson touchdown? Let's talk touchdown celebrations, but just to uh, clean up uh, on Komet, that is now 14 catches for him in <laughs> eight games this season. Is that not good? He's a good player, but he's not He's not been a great tight end, and I think that's something that Justin Fields would really benefit. We talk a lot about O-line and receiver. Right. He could really use a top tight end. Well, and, and you know he's been a good pass blocker or a good run blocker, and you could say that about Equinemia St. Brown. You could say that about Mooney. You could say that uh, about a lot of guys. You said about J.P. Holtz. Yeah. 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 The, the team is so desperate for weapons that you wonder why Komet hasn't been leaned on more. Now, in terms of his touchdown rate, you know, Matt Nagy just spent two years trying to make Jimmy Graham happen. And, you know, particularly in the red zone, it didn't really happen. But, what, two touchdowns in his first nine career games for Cole Komet and then none in the next 31. So getting back into the end zone... Um, maybe encouraging for him, but I would like to see volume more than more than touchdowns. Yeah, you liked the hog tying celebration, huh? I did. Jay Ferguson, perfect deep in the heart of Texas. Yeah, Jay Ferguson uh, uh, went to hog tie. Was it Schultz? It was another tight end who laid down and put his. feet I think in you're him. right. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it was. Do you ever do you ever go to rodeo? Do you ever? No, no. My wife is from the south and she likes that kind of stuff, but no, I have no interest. I used to cover rodeo every once in a while in Arizona. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. The rodeo would come to town for a couple weeks. And the I couldn't I couldn't get the the hog tying thing I couldn't get into like really easy to be like oh uh, you know uh, you know the uh, the uh, bron or oh, what did they call the little kid I'm sorry I'm rambling now um, mutton busting do you know what this is <laughs> it's these like are, a goat or these something these are kids tying down sheep. <laughs> it's future, rodeo stars of the future was that the most obscure thing that you've covered rodeo oh. sports wise. In terms of stuff I had to learn about before I could go out there, yeah, probably. How about you? Well, in South Florida, I covered polo, but not like an actual polo match or game, whatever it would be, more like a feature feature type thing. Okay. But I did once cover, I covered some kind of BMX bike racing. Okay. And I covered a surfing contest. Oh, okay. And so that was like a live event that you had to cover a surfing contest. You know, and my, it, my high school it was had kind of done team. like it was. Kind of, well, yeah, probably in California, that's true. Uh, it was done kind of like innings in baseball. Oh. Like how many points do you score in the in your part of the first? How many points do they score in their part of the first? Okay. And we do five or six 
sets or whatever rounds. I once wrote a feature about a couple that was going across the country doing joggling. Do you want to know what joggling is? <laughs> I could guess. Is it's, it juggling while jogging? Yep, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> that's exactly what it is, and that's when I reevaluated my career choices. Uh, Jason, you've really come up <laughs> from the joggling days. Jason, uh, some fine juggling. The Bears have the uh, Miami Dolphins coming up. That's uh, Tua, um, like you know, Tyree Kill, uh, a bunch of offensive weapons that are, I dare say, unlike any they've seen so far. Jalen Waddle. Jason, I mean, are those two receivers the best receiver tandem they've played all year? If you like celebrations, you'll enjoy watching Jalen Waddle do the penguin. He waddles like <laughs> a penguin when he scores. When your last name's Waddle, that's what you got to do. He embraces it. But what was the what's the rap song? The Waddle. The waddle baby, waddle baby. Wobble? Yeah, wobble. Oh, was that was yeah, wobble. Yeah, yeah, We start with you singing and we end with me singing. That's right. Full circle. Anyway, uh, we got the uh, Dolphins coming up. We will uh, preview that game and everything else going down with the Bears later in the week. Until then, you can follow Jason and myself and Mark Potash, too. His game balls sit in a burlap sack untouched because... They sit in his carry-on. Yeah, he is, uh, he is off uh, uh, getting home. But uh, I'm sure he'll have some input later in the week. Uh, until then, you can follow us on Twitter. Check us out on the website. And please like, rate, and review the podcast. He's Jason. I'm Pat. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.